بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم وصلى الله وسلم وبارك على نبينا محمد وعلى اله وصحبه وسلم تسليما كثيرا غفر الله لنا ولشيخنا وللمستمعين والمسلمين يقول الامام المجدد الشيخ محمد بن عبد الوهاب رحمه الله تعالى في رسالته اداب المشي الى الصلاه ثم يقرا البسمله سرا ثم يقرا سوره كامله ويجزئ ايه الا ان احمد استحب ان تكون طويله فان كان في غير الصلاه فان شاء جهر بالبسمله وان شاء اصر وتكون سوره في فجر من طوال المفصل واوله قاف لقول اويس سالت اصحاب محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم كيف تحزبون القران قالوا ثلاثا وخمسا وسبعا وتسعا واحدى عشرا وثلاثا عشرا وحزب المفصل واحد ويقرا ان يقرا في الفجر من قصاره من غير عذر كسفر ومرض ونحوهما ويقرا في المغرب من قصاره ويقرا فيها بعض الاحيان من تواله لانه صلى الله عليه وسلم قرا فيها بالاعراف بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا وسيئات اعمالنا ونشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له له الملك وله الحمد وهو على كل شيء قدير ونشهد ان محمدا عبد الله وخليله ورسوله صلى الله عليه وسلم ارسله رحمه للعالمين فبلغ الرساله وعد الامانه ونصح للامه وجاهد في الله حق جهاده صلوات الله وسلامه عليه ورضوانه جل وعلا على صحابه محمد الذين ازروا هجره وجهادا معه وبعده وحملوا هذا العلم هذا الدين حملوا القران الكريم فبلغوه وحملوا سنه المصطفى صلى الله عليه وسلم فاشاعوها فنسال الله جل وعلا ان يرضى عنهم ويجعلنا جميعا من محبيهم المقتدين بهم يقول شيخ الاسلام رحمه الله عليه محمد بن عبد الوهاب مؤلف كتاب الاداب المشي الى الصلاه لما انتهى مما يتعلق بقراءه الفاتحه فاتحه الكتاب في الصلاه وان من لا يستطيع قراءته على يحفظ شيئا يجزئه حتى يتعلمها ان يسبح الله جل وعلا وان يحمد وان يشهد ان لا اله الا هو فاذا كرر هذا في كل ركعه لعدم حفظه الفاتحه اجزى ريثما يتعلم ثم في درس هذا اليوم يقول ثم يقرا البسمله سرا يعني بذلك الامام يقراها سرا ما يرفع الصوت بها 
في الصحيحين وغيرهما من حديث انس بن مالك رضي الله عنه صاحب رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم خادمه قال صليت خلف رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم وخلف ابي بكر وعمر وعثمان فكانوا يفتتحون الصلاه الحمد لله رب العالمين يعني لا يجهرون بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم وهذه الكلمة بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم هي من القرآن والراجح أنها ليست من الفاتحة لكن كتابتها في أول كل سورة مما اتفق عليه الصحابة رضي الله عنهم ما عدا سورة براعة فإنه لم يكتب فيها في أولها بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم فقال ثم يقرأ البسملة سرا يقول بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم ثم يقرأ سورة يعني بعد الفاتحة كاملة أو بجزء يجزئ آية والأفضل أن يراعي حال المأمومين الأفضل للإمام أن يراعي حال المأمومين إذا كانوا يرغبون أن يطيل القراءة مع الفاتحة وليس فيهم من تشق عليه أو صاحب حاجة فالإطالة هي الأولى وبخاصة في صلاة الفجر وكان الصحابة مما يذكرون في صلاة النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم أنه يقرأ بقدر خمس عشرة آية في الركعة في الركعتين الأوليين من الرباعية ويقرأ بقدر العشر آيات في الركعتين الأخيرتين المهم أن يعتني بفاتحة الكتاب في كل ركعة فإذا قرأ معها ما تيسر من سورة قصيرة والأفضل أن تكون السور من المفصل الذي يبدأ من سورة قاف والقرآن المجيد وينتهي بنهاية سورة قل أعوذ برب الناس يقرأ في طواله فيما يطيل الصلاة فيه وبخاصة الفجر قرآن الفجر إن قرآن الفجر كان مشهودا وصلاة العشاء وصلاة الظهر والعصر يقول الصحابة كان النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم يطيل في صلاة الظهر بالركعتين الأوليين بحيث من يكون من حرفه قريبا من المسجد يتهيأ ويأتي ويدرك الصلاة معه صلى الله عليه وسلم وصلاة العصر تكون أخصر أقل طول قيام من صلاة الظهر وأما المغرب فالأولى أن يقرأ الإنسان مع الفاتحة بشيء من قصار المفصل لا يتعمد أن تكون دائما قراءته في أقصر المفصل فإن النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم أرشد إلى أن الإمام 
ينبغي أن يقرأ بسورة وليل إذا يخشى أو سبح اسم ربك الأعلى هائع من قسم متوسطين حزب المفصل ومع ذلك يكون في صلاته حريصا على إتمام ما ينبغي أن يكون عليه من طول الوقوف بحيث يقرأ الفاتحة وسورة من معتدل المفصل في كل ركعة في الرباعية في الأوليين وفي الأخير الثاني من الرباعية كالظهر والعصر والعشاء يقرأ أقل من ذلك لكن فاتحة الكتاب التي سبق أن مر الإشارة إلى الحديث القدسي التي يقول الله فيها قسمت الصلاة بيني وبين عبدي نصفين ولعبد مسال فإذا قال العبد الحمد لله قال الله حمدا لعبدي فكأن الفاتحة هي الصلاة ينبغي أن يحرص عليها ولذلك قال النبي عنها لا صلاة لمن لم يقرأ بفاتحة الكتاب يقول ثم يقرأ البسملة سرا يعني هنا انجهر فالصلاة صحيحة لكن عدم الجهر بها أولى لما ثبت من حديث انس بن مالك وذكره صلاته او صلاته مع النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم الفرائض ومع ابي بكر بعده ومع عمر ومع عثمان وانهم كانوا يبدأون القراءه بالحمد لله رب العالمين هو انس لم يذكر عليا لان علي لما صار خليفه انتقل الى العراق فيما هو معلوم لمن يقرا السيره والتاريخ يقول الشيخ الاسلام الا ان احمد يعني الامام احمد بن حنبل استحب ان تكون طويله اي الايه فان كان في غير الصلاه فان شاء جهر بالبسمله وان شاء اسر وتكون السوره في الفجر من طوال المفصل والنبي صلى الله عليه وسلم كثيرا ما كان يقرا في سوره قاف وفي لفظ كان يقرا سوره الواقعه وهذه من طوال المفصل لكنه ما كانوا يقرؤون بطريقه ما يفعله من يتعلمون القران في هذه العصور بالإطالة في المد وغير ذلك وإنما كان يقرأون القرآن حذرا يحضرونه لكنهم يحرصون على أن يقف القارئ عند رأس كل آية يقول إن شاء سر وتكون السورة في المفصل إلى آخره وأوله قال لقول أويس عن تحزيب القرآن قال ويكره أن يقرأ في الفجر من قصاره يعني إلا من عذر فإذا كان هناك عذر عذر كأن يكون إنسان مسافر ويخشى 
أو كان مريضا يشق عليه الوقوف فلا حرج من غير عذر كسفر ومرض ونحوهما ويقرأ في المفصل من قصاره يعني هذا في الأغلب والأولى أن الذي يقرأ الإنسان في المفصل أن ينظر إلى الصورة البلد أو الشمس وحاها أو الضحوى الذي إذا سجع أو الزلزلة وأمثالها لا يتعنى أن يقرأ أخصر السور لكن إذا قرأ فيها وأحسن القيامة الوقوف والركوع والقيامة منه والوقوف بعد القيام ثم السجود ثم الجلوس بين بين السجدتين فالصلاه فيها خير كثير واذا كان الجماعه يحبون الاطاله لكن ليست الاطاله التي تلفت النظر فلا حرج في ذلك الذي ثبت انه قرأ مرة في صلاة المغرب بسورة ألف لام ميم صاد الأعراف لكن ذلك نادر وإنما فعله ليبين للناس جواز مثل ذلك فنسأل الله جل وعلا أن يوفقنا جميعا لحسن أداء هذه العبادة العظيمة التي هي الصلة بين العبد وبين ربه جل وعلا وأن يجعل أداءنا لها موافقا لسنة رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم وأن نكون عند قيامنا بأدائها مستحضرين لفكرنا وذهننا وعقولنا ومحسنين التصور لموقفنا وأنه بين يدي الله جل وعلا ثم نحرص على تذكر حاجتنا الى الله وابن ادم دائما وابدا في امس الحاجه الى لطف ربه فيحرص الواحد في الدعاء ولا سيما في السجود كما قال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم عن الركوع اما الركوع فعظموا فيه ربكم واما السجود فالحه في بالدعاء فقمن ان يستجاب لكم فاسال الله ان يوفقنا جميعا لحسن العمل والاخلاص فيه وأن يتقبله الله جل وعلا منا ويحسن جزاءنا إنه مجيب الدعاء. The Shaykh Hafiz Allah Ta'ala began by praising Allah Azawajal and seeking his assistance and seeking refuge in Allah Azawajal from the evil of our deeds. And he bore witness that there is no deity worthy of worship except Allah. He is alone and he has no partners. For him is the dominion. And he bore witness to, or to the fact that the Prophet Muhammad is his slave and messenger. He gave the message, he fulfilled the trust, and he was sincere for the Ummah. And he fought a true fighting in the way of Allah Azawajal. And may Allah be pleased with the companions of the Prophet, those who supported him, and those who migrated to him and with him and fought during his time 
and they carried the religion, and they carried the sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ, and they spread his sunnah, may Allah be pleased with them, and make us from amongst those who truly love them, and those who follow their way. The author, Sheikh Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahhab, he mentioned in the treaties the etiquettes of walking to the prayer. After finishing the issues related to the recitation of Surah Al-Fatiha, and he mentioned that after the recitation of Surah Al-Fatiha, that the individual and Afghan, one of the issues that were mentioned about reciting Surah Al-Fatiha is that if the individual does not have the ability to recite it, then the individual can make tasbih of Allah Azza wa Jal. They can say Subhanallah and Tahmeed of Allah, Alhamdulillah, and they can say the Shahada, La ilaha illallah. They would re- repeat this during during the Rukur or Afwan, during the Qiyam. Every time they uh, perform a unit of prayer in place of Al Fatiha, if the person doesn't have the ability, then they would make Tasbih and Tahmeed, and they would make the Shahada, say the Shahada, because they don't have the ability or they have not learned Al Fatiha. And they would do this until they learn Surah Al-Fatiha. Then the Shaykh Habib Allah Ta'ala mentioned in today's lesson, we're going to discuss the issue of uh, the beginning of the recitation. And the author, Rahimullah Ta'ala, mentioned that the person begins by uh, mentioning Al-Basmalah, Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim, and they do so silently. And the Shaykh Habib Allah Ta'ala mentioned that this is upon the Imam, that he should say the basmala and he should not raise his voice to be heard. And this was authentically reported by Sahih Bukhari and Sahih Muslim on the authority of Anas bin Malik radiallahu ta'ala anhu. That he, Anas bin Malik, he was the companion and he was also the servant of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And he said, I prayed behind the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Abu Bakr, Umar, Uthman, and all of them would begin their recitation with Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen, meaning they would not begin with the Basmala. The Basmala was mentioned silently. So the Shaykh mentioned Habib Allah Ta'ala, so that which is upon the individual is to recite or to say the Basmala silently. And he mentioned Habib Allah Ta'ala that the Basmala, it is not from, it is not one of the verses of Surah Al-Fatiha but the Sahaba were in consensus and agreement that it is uh, it should be placed in the Quran and the only surah or it should begin every verse except one surah in the it should begin every surah except one surah which is Surah Bara'a and it's Surah Tawbah and the author Rahimahullah Ta'ala mentioned that it should be said silently uh, the Basmala and then the person after that recites Surah Al-Fatiha and they should recite another surah, a complete uh, other surah. And the Shaykh Habib Allah Ta'ala mentioned that, uh, the author and the Shaykh Habib Allah Ta'ala mentioned that uh, the person should choose from the surahs that are somewhat at the end of the Qur'an. And he said, Habib Allah Ta'ala, but what is befitting is that the individual should take notice of the people who are praying behind him. He should take notice of the people who are praying behind him. If they want him, those who are following him in the prayer, if they want him to elongate the prayer, then he can do so. But 
there shouldn't be anyone behind him that has difficulty in praying long, or if anyone has a, a need, they have a need, you know, to uh, to leave the masjid at the end of the prayer, then he should not make it long. He should not make it long. But uh, in general, it's recommended to pray Salat al-Fajr, it should be elongated. Uh, the companions, they mentioned that the Prophet wasallam he would recite uh, similar to 15 verses uh, in the two first units of, of the, in the two units of the prayer he would recite 15 verses. And for example, if he was reciting, uh, or if he was praying such as Dhuhr or Asr and the likes, he would recite 15 in the first two units and like 10 in the, if it was, um, now, and like the, 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 the length of 10 verses in the second, although, you know, there's not recitation in the second, but the length, it's talking about the length of the unit was 15 in the first two units and like 10 in the second two units. Then he said, Habib Allah Ta'ala, it's important that the individual focuses on the recitation of Surah Al-Fatiha. This obviously is obligatory in uh, all of the units of prayer and in the units where he will recite verses, the individual should choose from the, the Hizb al-Mufassal, which begins from Surah Al-Qaf. The beginning of Surah Al-Qaf to the end of the Qur'an. The person should, or that which was common, was that this was recited. And the Shaykh Habib Allah said, the person should elongate, especially مثلاً Surah Al-Fajr. And this is because Allah mentioned in the Qur'an, or Qur'an Al-Fajr, in the Qur'an Al-Fajr, كَانَ مَشْهُودًا Verily, this is a verse in the Qur'an, verily, the Qur'an at the time of Salat Al-Fajr, it is witnessed by the Malaika. And he also mentioned Habib Allah Ta'ala, and likewise, مثلاً, Surah uh, Salat Al-Isha, it should be elongated. And he mentioned that uh, the companions of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, they mentioned that the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam would elongate the first two units of Salat Al-Dhuhr, so much so that if an individual lived near the masjid, the person could prepare for the prayer. And if the prayer has begun, the prayer has begun, and the person is preparing for the prayer such as wudu and the likes, and they would leave their home and still catch the first unit of prayer. So this shows you that the Prophet ﷺ used to elongate the first two units in Salatul Dhuhr. So much so that if an individual uh, if the iqamah was called and the individual was at home and he was making wudu and he would leave his home and walk to the masjid, he would still reach the first unit of the prayer. And Salat al-Asr is slightly shorter than Salat al-Dhuhr. And then he mentioned Habib Allah Ta'ala, as it relates to Salat al-Maghrib, then uh, the small or the short verse or the short surahs of the Qur'an were recited. And he mentioned Habib Allah Ta'ala. Naam. And he mentioned that the Prophet Sallallahu had instructed the individual, مثلاً in Salat al-Maghrib, to recite the short surahs of the Qur'an. For example, Surah Al-Layl, Surah Sabbih Isma Rabbik Al-A'la, and the likes. These are from the middle length surahs of the, of the end of the Qur'an. And he mentioned Habib Allah Ta'ala. But what is important, is that the individual when he is praying, the individual is diligent to make sure that uh, is that he recites the verses or he recites the surahs correctly 
And um, if he's reciting, for example, four, if he's praying four units of prayer, such as Dhuhr or Asr or Isha, that in the first two units of the prayer, he makes them longer. And in the, the next two units of the prayer, he makes them shorter, shorter than the first. And then he mentioned Habib Allah Ta'ala. Uh, he re- reiterated the importance of the recitation of Surah Al-Fatiha because of that which was mentioned in the previous lesson of the Hadith Al-Qudsi where the Prophet ﷺ mentioned that his Lord said, I have divided the prayer of my, ser- of my servant two parts and my servant would have that which he has asked. And that Hadith where the Prophet ﷺ said that Allah said, when the servant says, Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen, my servant has praised me to the end where the individual says, Allah says, this is for my servant and he will have that which he has requested. So the Shaykh said, Hafiz Allah Ta'ala. So it is as if the Surah Al-Fatiha is the complete prayer. So the person should pay close attention to his recitation of Surah Al-Fatiha. And likewise, because of the hadith of the Prophet Wasallam, there is no prayer for the individual that does not recite Surah Al-Fatiha. And then he mentioned Habib Allah Ta'ala. The author mentioned that the Basmalah should be done silently. But if the individual says it loud, then the prayer is still accepted. So the prayer is still accepted if the individual says Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim loud. But uh, what is befitting is that the individual does according to the sunnah of the Prophet wasallam, And that is that it was done silently based on the hadith of Anas bin Malik anhu, that he said he prayed with the Prophet wasallam. He prayed with Abu Bakr, Umar and Uthman and all of them did not say Bismillah uh, loud. And the Shaykh Habib Allah Ta'ala brought an interesting point and that was he said that the reason why Anas bin Malik who did not mention Ali ibn Abi Talib is because when Ali who became the Khalifa, he migrated to Al-Iraq. He migrated to Al-Iraq and this was known by the individuals that study the history. Then the Shaykh Habib Allah Ta'ala mentioned that uh, that the person should recite مثلاً, surat, uh, Salat al-Fajr the person should elongate Salat al-Fajr and it was mentioned that the Prophet wasallam used to recite Surat al-Qaf uh, a lot in Salat al-Fajr or Surat al-Waqi'ah likewise in Salat al-Fajr and these are from the longer verses of the, the surahs at the, these are from the longer surahs of the end of the Quran and the Shaykh Habib Allah Ta'ala mentioned, but the Prophet wasallam did not recite like the people recite today. He said like the people who memorize Qur'an today, they, they extend letters that they should not extend when they're reciting the Qur'an. But verily, the recitation of the Prophet wasallam was precise and the Prophet wasallam used to stop at the end of every verse. He would stop at the end of every verse. Then the Shaykh Habib Allah Ta'ala mentioned uh, the statement of the author of when Uwais, one of the Tabi'un, he asked the companions of the Prophet how did they divide the Qur'an? And they said uh, thirds and fifths and sevenths uh, and to the likes, meaning from the end of the Qur'an, starting from Surah Al-Qaf until Surah Al-Nas, there was a way that the companions of the Prophet ﷺ divided the Qur'an. And uh, then he mentioned, the author Rahim Allah Ta'ala mentioned, 
that the person should not recite in Surah al- in Salat al-Fajr from the very short verses of the Qur'an. In Salat al-Fajr, the person should not recite from the very short verses of the Qur'an, except if there is a, a valid reason. For example, if the individual is traveling and he fears he might uh, uh, miss something in his journey, or if the individual is sick and it's difficult for the person to recite, recite long verses, then it is okay for them to recite short surahs of the Qur'an, but in general, in Salat al-Fajr, we should recite longer surahs of the Qur'an. And then the Shaykh Habib Allah Ta'ala mentioned, if the individual is reciting sh- shorter surahs of the Qur'an, then they would recite method in Surah Al-Balad, or they would recite Surah Al-Duha, or Surah Al-Zulzila, and the likes. And then the Shaykh Habib Allah Ta'ala reiterated that it's important that the individual along with uh, adhering to the recitation, the correct recitation and the sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ is befitting that the individual also gives close attention to his standing in the prayer and his ruku' and his sujood and his sitting between the two sajdas. This is very important because if the person uh, does this in accordance with the sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ, there is much good and there is much reward in doing so. And then he said, as for the imam, if he's praying in congregation, and the people who are behind him, the congregation, they want him to elongate the prayer, then he should do so. He should do so, uh, and there's no problem in him doing so. But he should not elongate it to the extent that it is uh, outside of the, the, the custom of the people. You know, the people, if they're not accustomed to the prayer being very long, then he shouldn't uh, bring about, cause you know, them to become uh, agitated or bothered by this. Then he mentioned Habib Allah Ta'ala, that yes, uh, in Mathur and Surah Al-Maghrib, it's permissible that a person elongates Surah Al-Maghrib. Why? Because you have it authentically reported that the Prophet ﷺ recited Surah Al-A'raf, which is one of the long surahs of the Qur'an. But the Shaykh said, Habib Allah Ta'ala, but this wasn't the norm. This wasn't the norm. Rather, this was done by the Prophet ﷺ to teach his companions that it is permissible to do so. So it is permissible to recite a long surah for Surah Al-Salat Al-Maghrib, but it wasn't the norm of the Prophet ﷺ. Then the Shaykh Habib Allah Ta'ala said, we ask Allah to allow us to implement the, this worship, uh, which is, uh, we ask Allah to allow us to implement His worship accurately and correctly. Uh, and verily, this is the relationship, this is the, the connection between the servant and his Lord. And we ask Allah Azawajal to allow our actions to be in accordance with the Sunnah of the Prophet And we ask Allah that when we implement this act of worship, that we keep in mind that we are standing in front of Allah, in front of Allah Azawajal, the Lord of the worlds, and we keep in mind that we are in great need. Uh, we keep in mind that the children of Adam are in need of uh, the mercy of their Lord to Taala, and verily Allah is the one who brings about, or Allah is the one who assists. And likewise, when we're in sajda, when we're in prostration, we should keep in mind, uh, uh, we should glorify Afwan, we should supplicate to Allah Azawajal, and we're, when we're in ruku', we should glorify Allah Azawajal, and verily Allah Azawajal is the one to answer the call, and we ask Him to make our actions sincere for Him to Taala.
يقول السائل أحسن الله إليك هل هناك أحاديث صحيحة تدل على أن النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم قرأ في سورة في صلاة العشاء من سور أو من غير جزء عما أولا القرآن كله كلام الله جل وعلا وإنما الأولى للإمام أن يحرص بصلواته على المفصل لأن أغلب المفصل كان في معالجة أمر العبادة الإخلاص لله والتخويف لمخالفة أمره فإذا علم أنه قرأ في المغرب بسورة الأعراف والشأن في المغرب أنها في الغالب تكون قراءتها أقصر من القراءة في صلاة العشاء وإن كان المراجعة ما يتعلق بصلوات النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم وما ينقل عنه فيها وسيجد بعد إن شاء الله أرجو أن تكون في الدرس الآتي أشير إلى عدد من المواقع في هذا الموضوع Individuals asking is are there authentic narrations to that which indicate that the Prophet recited in Salat al Isha other than uh, or surahs other than the surahs which are present in Juz Amma and the Sheikh mentioned Habib Allah Ta'ala. First, firstly, it's important for the individual to understand that the speech, the book of the Quran is the speech of Allah Azza and that which is befitting for the Imam is for him to be diligent. In reciting, he should try his best to recite from the verses or the surahs that are from the end of the Quran, from Qaf to the end of the Quran. And these verses or these surahs were in rectification of the affair of worship, the fact that the people were worshiping other than Allah, the people of Quraysh and Allah were worshiping other than Allah. So this was calling them to the worship of Allah, this was calling them to be sincere, this was. Uh, uh, informing them that they should fear uh, uh, opposition to the, that which was being brought by the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. So, and, but there is proof that other than that can be recited because you have it mentioned that the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam recited Surah Al-Araf and Salat Al-Maghrib. And what's uh, common is that what is recited in Salat Al-Maghrib is much smaller than what is recited in Salat Al-Isha. Then the Shaykh said, Habib Allah Ta'ala, but what's befitting now is that we review uh, what was recited by the Prophet in the different prayers of the day, and we hope that we can mention this in the coming lesson. يقول السائل حفظكم الله تعالى هل يجوز للمسلمين المقيمين في السعودية مثلا أن يصلوا صلاة الغائب لمن توفى من أقاربهم لا محضر في ذلك لكن ينبغي أن الواحد يعرف 
هل صلى النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم صلاة غائب على أحد بعد ما صلى على ملك الحبشة العلماء ذكروا أن السبب في صلاته على ملك الحبشة لما بلغه الخبر من السماء أن الشأن في ملك الحبشة ليس عنده أحد من يصلي عليه فإذا مات أقارب واحد في أي بلد فهو في بلد إسلامي يصلى عليه والصلاة على الغائب محل خلاف عند العلماء بعضهم لا يراها لماذا؟ لأنه يعني لم يثبت أن النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم صلى على غائب سوى يوم نذب الناس للصلاة على أصحاب ملك الحبشة الذي مات في حياة المصطفى صلى الله عليه وسلم ثم ما حفظ أن الخلفاء الراشدين صلوا صلاة غائب على أحد وتأتيهم أخبار من توفي من الصحابة ولهذا فالخلاف بين أهل العلم هل تصلى صلاة الغائب على من مات أو لا هو في المملكة كثيرا ما يصلون على الغائب ولو كان يصلى عليه في بلد آخر لأنها في هذا أخبار من الفقهاء والحجة في في كل شيء هي صلاة النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم على ملك الحبشة ولم يعرف أنه كررها فمن تركها لا حرج عليه لم يصلي على غائب وإن صلى فهي مسألة دعاء لميت من المسلمين يرجى أن يستجاب له فلا حرج إن شاء الله نعم The individual is asking, um, is it permissible for the Muslims who are present here, for example, to pray the, the Salat al-Ghaib, Salat for the individual who is not present, the individual who has died, uh, Salat for the absent Muslim, the Muslim who has died and he, the body is absent, or for their relatives. And the Shaykh Mujahid Abiyah Allah Ta'ala, this is an issue of... Now, the Shaykh said, it's not a problem, but what is befitting is that the individual should know Did the Prophet ﷺ pray this prayer over anyone other than the king of Ethiopia? The scholars have mentioned that the Prophet ﷺ was informed that uh, the, the king of Ethiopia had died at his time and there was no one present to pray over him. So the Prophet ﷺ prayed over him. So this is an issue of disagreement amongst the scholars. But it is not, he mentioned Habib al-Ta'ala, but it is not authentically reported that the Prophet ﷺ prayed over anyone this uh, prayer other than him. And likewise, it is mentioned or it is not mentioned that any of the rightly guided Khulafa, Abu Bakr, Umar, Uthman and Ali, none of them, it is not recorded that any of them prayed this prayer. And obviously, they were informed when individuals would die But it is not mentioned that they would pray this prayer. Then he mentioned Habib Allah Ta'ala in the, in the kingdom of Saudi Arabia. At times this prayer is prayed. And the proof for it, or the proof used, is because the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam prayed over the king of, of Ethiopia. 
But the reality is, he said, so whoever does not wish to perform this prayer, there's no sin upon him. And whoever does so, then they're simply supplicating for a Muslim who has passed away. And we hope that Allah answers that supplication. يقول السائل هل يجوز أداء صلاة الجنازة بدون قراءة سورة الفاتحة أو هل تصح صلاة الجنازة بدون قراءة الفاتحة؟ هي مسألة خلافية فيما يتعلق بالجنازة لكن الصحيح أنها صلاة والنبي قال لا صلاة لمن لم يقرأ بفاتحة الكتاب ابن عباس رضي الله عنهما ثبت عنه قال صلى بجنازة على جنازة وقرأ الفاتحة وقال لتعلموا أنها سنة فينبغي للناس أن يحافظوا عليها إلا في هناك بعض المذاهب لا يرون أيرهما مجرد دعاء فيدعون للميت The individual is asking uh, is the Salat al-Janazah accepted without the recitation of Surah al-Fatiha and the Sheikh Muhammad Hafiz Allah Ta'ala this is also an issue of agreement amongst the scholars but what is Correct uh, in terms of proof is that uh, Surah Al-Fatiha should be read even in the Janazah because of the statement of the Prophet there is no Salat even the Janazah is Salat Prophet said there is no Salat without Surah Al-Fatiha and likewise the Prophet recited it and he said to his companions so that you know that it is the Sunnah so it is befitting that uh, Surah Al-Fatiha is read uh, during the the janazah. يقول السائل أنا شخص عندما أقوم أو عندما أركع ظهري لا يكون مستقيما وقد حاولت أكثر من مرة ولكن لا أستطيع ذلك فما نصيحتكم لي؟ الله يقول فاتقوا الله ما استطعتم والنبي صلى الله عليه وسلم يقول صلوا كما رأيتموني أصلي يقول إذا أمرتكم بشيء فأتوا من المستطعتم فلا حرج على من لا يستطيع أن يبسط ظهره في الصلاة في حال ركوعه ويشق عليه يؤذيه فلا حرج عليه وأما ما ينبغي أن يكون عليه أحسن الحالة فهو أنه إذا ركع مد ظهره لا يحسر ضعفه بحيث يكون أوسطه أخفض أو ظهر ولا يسلم الظهر حتى يكون وسطه كأنه سلام وإنما يجعل ظهره ممتدا ولا ولا يدلي الراس ولا يعن الراس ايضا بالارتفاع وتقول عائشه رضي الله عنها لو وضع على ظهر النبي اناء فيه ماء ما خش عليه لامتداد ظهره صلى الله عليه وسلم فكلما امكن الانسان ان يؤدي العباده وفق ما ثبت ان النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم يفعل فعل وما شق عليه فإن الله جل وعلا لا يكلف نفسا إلا وصاها. The individual is asking, I'm, I'm an individual that has, every time I bow in prayer, uh, I try to straighten my back, but but I 
I've, and I've tried many times, but I'm not able to do so. What is your advice? The Shaykh mentioned Allah, Allah mentions in the Quran to Allah to the best of your ability. And the Prophet said, say, pray as you see me pray. And the Prophet said, if I order you to do something, then do it to the best of your ability. So there's no sin upon the individual that does not have the ability to totally straighten his or his back. If the person has difficulty in doing so, um, then there is no sin upon the individual. But that which is befitting is that the individual tries to straighten when he goes into Rukur, he tries to straighten and flatten his back. It should not be raised high or uh, lowered, uh, but it should be straight and flat. And he likewise shouldn't raise his head. His head should be flattened with his back. Aisha radiallahu ta'ala and she mentioned that the Prophet sallallahu straightened his back to the extent that if you were to place a cup with water on his back, it would not fall. So um, the more an individual can try to uh, conduct this act of worship uh, in this manner, then they should do so. But Allah does not burden a soul with that which he cannot bear. يقول السائل حفيظكم الله تعالى كيف ننصح الشباب الذين يعيشون في غفلة بنسبة الصلاة حيث يفضلون اللعبة وهذه العشاء على الصلاة الشباب الصغار الذين هم تحت إشراف والديهم يقول النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم بشأنهم مروا أولادكم بالصلاة لسبع فمن يعني أتم من عمره سبع سنين يؤمر بأن يصلي ويقول واضربوهم عليها لعشر من أكمل العشرة ولم يصلي يضرب لكنه لا يكون الضرب الذي يجرح يكسر عظم أو يشق جلدا أو يجرح وإنما الضرب الذي يؤلم الطفل ويستجيب وينبغي أن يحرص على استعمال الرفق في توجيهه فإن النبي يقول إن الله يعطي على الرفق ما لا يعطي على الشدة والعمر ويدعى لهم يدعو يدعو الواحد ربه جل وعلا بأن يهدي ذريته لأن الذرية إذا كانت ذرية صالحة مصلحة نفعت قرابتها في حياتهم وبعد مماتهم. The individuals asking how do you advise the youth those who are uh, negligent as it relates to the prayer and they prefer other things over prayer and Sheikh Mujahid Habib Allah Ta'ala the youth who are young and they're still under the guardianship of their parents the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said order your children to pray when they are when they reach the age of seven and hit them or strike them once they reach the age of ten if they still do not pray so if the child has reached the age of ten and he does not pray then it is upon the parent to strike that child. They should not do so in a manner which uh, harms the child, uh, breaks 
his bones or leaves, scars and the likes. And likewise, the Shaykh Habib Allah said, likewise it is befitting that the parents use gentleness in advising them and directing them because of the statement of the Prophet ﷺ, verily Allah would bring about by way of gentleness that which he does not bring about by way of hardness. Uh, so it is befitting that the individual uh, uses gentleness and they should call them to guidance or they should, they should supplicate that Allah guides their offspring and makes them uh, righteous because verily a righteous offspring would benefit the individual in this life and in the next. يقول السائل حبيبكم الله تعالى ما هي السنة في ركعة الثانية لصلاة الفجر وكم كان وكم القدر أو قدر قراءة النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم في هذه الركعة؟ ذكر القصد في الفريضة في الركعتين الأوليين يقرأ الفاتحة ويقرأ معها آيات أو سور وفي الركعتين الأخيرتين من الرباعية يقرأ الفاتحة وإن قرأ معها سورة قصيرة فحسن لكن المهم المحافظة على قراءة الفاتحة إن كان يقصد بسؤال هذا ركعتين النافلة التي تكون قبل صلاة الظهر أو بعدها فهو في قراءة فيها حر لأنها ما ترتبط بأحد غيره وكذلك لو صلى وحده في مكان ليس معه جماعة يحرص على أن تكون الركعتان الأوليان من الرباعية أطول قياما من الركعتين الأخيرتين. Individuals asking, uh, the individuals asking, what is the sunnah of the the raka? in the prayer of the, the, first, the second rak'ah in Salat al-Fajr and I'll mention the question again uh, because the Shaykh Allah Ta'ala Pasuk didn't hear me so the individual is asking about the first or the second rak'ah in Salat al-Fajr and what was the, the length of recitation the Shaykh mentioned Habib Allah Ta'ala uh, if the intention is the obligatory prayer which is four units of prayer then um, what is obligatory is that the individual recites Al-Fatiha and another Surah in the first two units and likewise in the second two units to recite Surah Al-Fatiha and if he recites something else, if he recites another Surah, then uh, it is accepted. Then he mentioned Habib Allah Ta'ala, but if the intent is the Nafila, which is the superior prayer, then the person who is reciting in the superior prayer then he can recite from anywhere in the Qur'an because it's not related to anyone else. So it's not like him elongating the prayer harms anyone. Then he mentioned Habib Allah Ta'ala. If the person prays alone uh, and the prayer is four units of prayer, what's important is that the first two units are longer than the second two, two units. Habibullah Ta'ala. 
من الفريضه من الفريضه نعم السنه في يعني الوجه الحسن في الصلوات ان تكون الركعات الاولى في الرباعيه اطول قياما من ركعتين الاخريتين وفي صلاه الفجر ايضا ينبغي ان تكون الركعه الاولى القيام فيها يكون اطول من القيام في الركعه الثانيه لكن لا يكون الفارق فارقا كبيرا بحيث يقرا في الركعه الاولى لعشرين ايه ثم يقرا في الركعه الاخيره ايه واحده ينبغي ان يكون طول قيامه متقاربا في هذا الامر and the Shaykh Habib Allah Ta'ala said the sunnah in all of the prayers is that for example if it's four units of prayer the first two units are longer than the following two units but as it relates to Salat al-Fajr he said the first rak'ah would be longer than the second but it should not be extremely it shouldn't be a great, dis- a great uh, discrepancy in, in length or there shouldn't be a great difference in length between the first and the second. For example, the person recites several uh, verses in the first unit and the second unit they only recite one. This shouldn't be the case. خاصة لغير المسلمين منهم أن يقوموا بتدريس الداروين الداروينية أو نظرية التكور للأطفال في المملكة العربية السعودية. والظاهر هذا في مدارس العالمية. يدرس فكرة الداروين أو لا شك أن فكرة أو مذهب داروين هذا مذهب كذب يعني أن بني آدم كانوا على شكل الخروج ثم تطور هذا الخروج حتى صار كما نرى إنسانا هذا فيه تكذيب للقرآن الله خلق آدم من طين والله جل وعلا على كل شيء قدير. لما نفخ به الروح امره واخبر الله انه انه خلى زوجه خلق زوجه منه. وهذه النظريه اللي تسمى نظريه التطور تطور الانسان من قرد ونحوه الى ان يكون انسانا هذا كلام كذب لا يتقبله العقلاء وانما يشيعه السفهاء والساقطون. Individuals asking is it permissible for teachers and more so uh, non-Muslim teachers uh, to teach children in Saudi Arabia uh, the Darwin theory and the Sheikh mentioned Habib Allah Ta'ala this methodology and this theory is, is a lie and what is uh, meant by it is that uh, humans one time they were apes and then they developed until they became uh, humans and this is 
or such a theory is in opposition to uh, and it lies against the Quran. Allah Azza informs in the Quran that He created Adam, the first human, and uh, Allah Azza is able to do all things. And Allah Azza after creating Adam, created His wife. So this theory and this methodology of uh, humans developing from apes, this is is a lie. And it is not something which is accepted by people who have sound intellect, but it is only spread by individuals who are foolish and who do not have correct intellect. لا شك ان حيواني لا ينجبون ذريه. And uh, Allah Azza wa Jal informed that He has punished a people uh, because of their disobedience. And Allah, Allah Azza wa Jal has informed that He has punished a people by turning them into apes. So at one time they were humans, and because of their disobedience, Allah turned them. Allah punished them and turned them into apes. And the Prophet ﷺ informed that if this took place in the past, when this took place in the past and individuals were transformed from humans into apes, that they would not have offspring. بعض أو تبيع أشياء محرمة. المسلم يجب عليه ألا يتعامل إلا معاملة مباحة. فلا يشتري أسهم من جهة تتعامل بالربا مثلا أو تتاجر في أمور محرمة. الإنسان سوف يسأل يوم القيامة عن المال لا تزول قدم عبد يوم القيامة حتى يسأل عن أمور ثلاث يسأل عن عمره فيما أفناه وشبابه فيما أبلاه وعن ماله من أين جمعه وكيف أنفقه المسلم يجب عليه أن يعرف أنه مسؤول عن كيفية كسب المال وكيفية صرف المال فلا يحل له أن يكسب المال إلا مما أباحه الله ولا يحل له أن يصرف المال إلا فيما أباحه الله Individuals asking is it permissible for a Muslim to buy stocks from a company in the UK, and this company sells impermissible items. The Sheikh Mishra Habib Allah it is not permissible for a Muslim to participate in dealings which are not permissible. So the Muslim uh, would not purchase stocks and shares with a company that is involved in riba interest, and likewise in a company that sells or deals with impermissible items. For verily the individual will be asked on the day of judgment about his wealth. 
And it's mentioned that the Prophet the Prophet mentioned that the feet of an individual will not be removed or will not be moved on the day of judgment until he is asked about three things. He would be asked about his life, what did he do with it? He would be asked about his childhood, what did he do with it? And he would be asked about his wealth, where did he get it from? And how did he spend it? So the individual should know that you would be asked about two items related to your wealth. Where did you obtain it from? And how do how did you spend it? So it's not permissible for a Muslim to obtain his wealth in an impermissible matter. And likewise, it is not permissible for a Muslim to spend his wealth in an impermissible matter. وأسأل الله جل وعلا أن يجعل عملنا خالصا لوجهه موافقا لسنة نبيه صلى الله عليه وسلم نافعا لنا جميعا في حياتنا وبعد مماتنا كما أسأل الله جل وعلا بأسمائه وصفاته أن يعز الإسلام والمسلمين وأن يذل الكفر والكافرين والمنافقين وأن يحفظ على بلادنا المملكة أمنها على دينها ودنياها وأن ينصر المظلومين في من المسلمين في كل مكان ينصرهم على أعدائهم الظالمين لهم وأن يصلح حال الأمة الإسلامية في كل مكان كما أسأل جل وعلا أن يعاجل أهل الشام بالفرج مما هم فيه من كرب وحرب وبلاء وفتنة وأن يصلح حال بقية البلاد الإسلامية ويصد عنها كل محنة وبلية وأن يجعل الأمة في كل وقت يأتي تكون أحسن من أوقاتها التي نحن عائشين فيها في هذا الزمن كما نسأل الله جل وعلا أن ينصر المسلمين في شرق آسيا على الوثنيين الذين يسيئون إليهم ويظلمونهم كما أسأل الله بأسمائه وصفاته أيضا أن يزيح الفتن التي عصفت في كثير من البلاد الإسلامية في اليمن وفي ليبيا وفي مصر وفي العراق وفي غيرها أن الله يصرف عنها الجميع كل شر ويهيئ لهم كل خير ويديم الأمن علينا في بلادنا المملكة في أمر الدين والدنيا وأن يوفق من تولى أمرنا ويعزه بدينه وينصره بالحق والهدى وأن يهيئ له من يكون عونا له في كل خير إنه جل وعلا مجيب الدعاء وآخر دعوانا أن الحمد لله رب العالمين صلى الله على نبينا محمد وآله وصحبه وسلم تسليما كثيرا Shaykh Habib Allah we would suffice with those amount of questions we ask Allah Azza to make our actions sincerely for his face and in accordance with the sunnah of the Prophet and we ask Allah to make our actions beneficial for us in this life and after our death we ask Allah Azza to give might and glory to Islam and to debase the disbelievers and we ask Allah Azza to protect and preserve our safety and security and our religion here in Saudi Arabia and we ask Allah Azza to give assistance to those who are being oppressed in every part of the world. We ask Allah to correct the affairs of the Muslims in the different parts of the world 
especially in Syria, and to remove their calamity, their tragedy, and their affliction. Ask Allah Azza wa Jal to correct the affairs of the Muslims in other parts of the world. And we ask Allah Azza wa Jal to allow our safety and security to be better than it is presently. And we ask Allah Azza wa Jal to assist the Muslims who are in uh, the East uh, Asia. And we ask Allah Azza wa Jal with his names and attributes to uh, protect and uh, support the Muslims who have been afflicted with calamities in Yemen and in Libya and Egypt and Iraq and other than them. We ask Allah to prevent harm from afflicting them and to bring about good amongst them. We ask Allah in our country to protect our deen and our religion and to give success to the individual who has taken or any individual who takes uh, rulership in this country to give them success to support the truth and to support the guidance. Verily, Allah is the one to answer the dua and our last supplication is all praise be to Allah, the Lord of the world. May the peace and blessings of Allah be upon the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, his family and his companions.